Hello out there. This is Pamela Fagan Hutchins, and you have found Wine, Women, and Writing, the video cast and podcast where I talk with other writers about their awesome books. Um, I like to focus in on the female characters, what makes them authentic and complex, whether that's something that's inspired by real life or out of the fertile imagination of a novelist. And I like to do it with um, a little irreverence, sometimes some oversharing if we're lucky, and something good in my coffee cup, which today I'm feeling healthy. It's green tea and apple cider vinegar. Yay me. Um, And today also, I should tell you that in my ever-changing where am I coming from, um, I'm in my mother's living room. How cool is that? My parents are in New Hampshire today, and so I moved over to their house. We've got a house in Texas, a house in Wyoming, an apartment in Dallas, and we're living with my parents on their farm. I don't even know how to keep up with myself. Other than to go to my website, which I encourage you to do, PamelaFaganHutchins.com. You can find my USA Today bestselling and Silver Falchion Best Mystery winning uh, What Doesn't Kill You series out there. I had a new release last week. It's a guide. It's I think of it as a bit of fun. Um, it's a guide to the series. You can pick that up. But even more important for our purposes today, you can see who I've got coming up next on the show. I like it if you get the books, you read ahead, and then we can book club together on the show and really um, be in tune when we're talking about the books. You can also look at past episodes there as well. So um, as far as that schedule goes, today, I'm really excited about today because I don't know if you follow the reviews that I leave for the authors, but I don't leave a lot of five stars. I did leave a five-star review for our guest today. So that's like, you know, a solar eclipse, which is very, um, it's a very fitting uh, example, given what we're going to talk about. But the book is A Bend in the Stars. It's the debut novel from my guest, Rachel Berenbaum. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pamela. Thanks so much for having me. You are very welcome. And Rachel and I have a great connection, but I find that when we're going from country to country, a little bit of delay. She's only a bit up north, though. Where are you today? Today I'm in Montreal, just in Canada. Just in Canada. It still feels pretty exotic when we're sweating in Texas. So (laughs) Far from Texas, that's for sure. Very far from Texas. And so with respect to Ben in the Stars, I should tell you guys, first of all, because Rachel's, I've been talking to her for a few minutes before the show, and I can tell you that she is um, modest and isn't going to tell you this herself, but it has great buzz. It's a New York Times um, summer reading list pick. It's, she's uh, been as a Barnes and Noble um, great new writer and book itself as best book of the year so far by BNN, a Globe and Mail summer best read. I mean, it's really, really cool. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. And you too. You are also the best. <laughs> thank you. It's fun, isn't it? Or uh, that's my next question. As a debut novelist, is this what you thought it would be? This whole your novel comes out and how it feels and, you know, looking yourself in the mirror and going, I wrote that book. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what the dream come true is having complete strangers read my book, right? Cause before you're published, you have, you might have friends you can drag to read it or family, but now complete strangers, people I've never met before have read the book and talked to me about it. And that's pretty amazing. It's cool when all of a sudden your characters are real. They've been real to you, 
but they're yeah. real out there in the world to other people. Yes. Yes. I love it. So there's, um, it's no secret that there's a love triangle in Bend in the Stars. And uh, so I've had a lot of readers will come up to me, you know, and they'll say they're, you know, are, are they team Yuri or are they team Sasha? And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of emotion around those two men. <laughs> and I love that. When you set out to write this book, um, did you originally envision the romance as such a central part of it? Uh, or, or what was the book originally to you? as you sat down at your computer or your whatever, however you write. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess I'll back up a little bit to say, where did I originally get the idea? Yes. So in 2014, uh, I was reading a copy of scientific American and there was an article in there that said 100 years ago this month, Einstein was just on the verge of proving relativity. He had equations. He had um, the idea, but he needed actual evidence. And that evidence would only be a photograph that he could take at a total solar eclipse, because that's where you can actually see light bending around, gravity bending around the sun. So he got a whole team together. He sent them up, you know, hoping to get them to Russia to take a picture, but World War I broke out. So Einstein did not get his picture. But Einstein also wasn't working in a vacuum. Uh, there were lots of other scientists, physicists, mathematicians trying to work on um, this question of relativity, trying to prove it, disprove it, show he was a quack, show he was a genius. And I thought, what if one of them beat Einstein, right? What if someone actually sitting in Russia made it and got there first? And so that was the genesis for the book, right? This is, is it that someone would beat Einstein. And I really love books written by women with strong female protagonists. I love it. Um, and I just, I can't help myself. I just fall for those books every time. And so I really wanted to make a woman, the main scientist, the main protagonist, but it just quite, and I guess the reason was because, so I have family that came from Russia and, um, by the way, they fled pogroms and anti-Semitism. So Russia was always a bad word in my family. And, um, you know, true, being true to the times, women who were working were uh, midwives or they were taking care of, you know, sort of on the health side. And there were a couple of women who were surgeons. They were educated outside of Russia, but, um, you know, hadn't been actually educated in Russia itself. And I thought, so what if I, if I really want a woman as the main protagonist and she has to be a doctor, she has to be a surgeon. What if I make her the very first surgeon educated in Russia and promoted in Russia? Um, Very. So that's where I came. Yeah. So Miri is yeah. the main. Miri and Miri's fantastic. It, you know, as as I'm reading, as I was reading the book, which was several months ago, so um, my brain <laughs> creaking back into gear here. But as I was reading the book and and, and thinking about had the strength that it took for Mary to do what she did in those times um, that, you know, it made me feel like I don't have so much to gripe about. <laughs> you know, this, this is easy compared to that, not to minimize at all what people go through today because many people struggle quite mightily, but Mary went through some struggles, but had a wonderful uh, role model in her babushka, her um, matchmaking babushka and who steals a lot of the scenes. So, um, you came up with the idea for the book. So a lot of times people will tell me my characters have driven this the whole way. I thought of the character and then the book came, but for you really, it was this beautiful, wonderful, exciting idea. And then finding 
out whether or not you could or how you could put a female character into that mix. So yes, it's pretty interesting. And then the brother of the two is he's weaker. He's weaker than she is. He's brilliant, but he is not a strong individual. She's really his caretaker. Tell us a little bit about Vanya. Yeah. So, um, so Vanya is the scientist, right? The uh, physicist, he's the professor, he's the one racing Einstein. And um, I think that a lot of, there's a tendency to equate brilliance with strength. And, um, you know, I tend to question that to say, you can be brilliant, but are you actually strong, right? Are you the person that the family that, um, that, that people can lean on that are, is that the person who's going to take you out of this you know, disaster, this problem, or, you know, even through a happy, happy life. I don't know. Um, And in particular, I think it's easy to look back and say, Einstein was a genius, must have always been a genius, but geniuses make lots of mistakes, right? I mean, we all do. That's how you learn. And so there's weakness. To actually be a genius, you have to fail and fail and fail until you succeed. And so I wanted to show that, right? There's a weakness there. And I also wanted to show that I think women are often the people that lead the family, that are the strength, that are the core. And so it, it just felt very natural. I didn't have to push hard, you know, to make Miri the, the strength and to make Vanya the one who was maybe wavering, making mistakes, falling apart. And I wanted people to question this of, okay, we say Einstein is a genius or we say Vanya is a genius, but does, him, does that make them the strength of the book or the time? Or a good person or someone that's thinking about anything besides their singular goal. You know, he put everyone in a whole lot of unnecessary. I'm saying unnecessary because, of course, he would never look at it that way. It was his quest. It was his dream. It was science as beauty and art and an end in of itself. You know, the truth that you must seek. So to him, he wasn't doing anything wrong, but he was putting people at risk. He wasn't putting his family first. And instead that fell to Mary. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I love that you saw that because I think a lot of people, uh, it's harder to see that sometimes there's a lot of action. There's a lot to sweep you up in the book. So I thank you for that close reading. It really appreciated. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I really, really enjoyed the book. And as I was reading, you know, and you talk about loving strong female protagonists, protagonists, that's not even a word, protagonists, which I do. I love that. And um, in some ways, and this is a, a compliment, um, I had um, a, a woman I really like, Kate Quinn, on the show earlier this year, and she's written The Huntress and The Alice Network. And um, been a host. yeah, it made me think in some ways of um, of what she's she's doing with putting a strong female protagonist back in a historical period and looking for with historical accuracy some slice some inspiring and small segment of the female population that she could delve into and, and tell a story from like a female surgeon or in her case, like yeah. a, a Russian pilot, uh, a Russian female pilot. So it was, um, it was really interesting to have read your books so close together. Cause I think I read them um, almost back to back last spring when your publicist yeah. sent it to yeah. you. You know, and what I love about her books, which I tried very hard to give to Mary too, um, was the sense that even if you are the strong woman, right? And you're the leader and you are the strength. There's still, you still have weakness and you still have moments. It's not like um, every single decision is made and you know, that's right. And you know where you're going, right? There are always these questions. Do I go left? Do I go right? Okay. I went left, but should I have gone right? Right? I mean, I think that's very real. And I think she does a great job at it. And I hope that that's what you saw in Miri too. 
I did. And so that kind of brings us back to the love triangle, really. And the decisions she's trying to make, especially within the society as it was at that place and at that time where she's made a commitment, she's made a commitment to someone and she is, she is falling desperately head of her heels in love. And that is, that's some tough choices right there. And no matter what, you're going to have readers that don't agree. So here we go back to the passionate interest in the love triangle that was not um, not really the core of the book, but but what is life without love? So what is a story <laughs> without it? So do you find that people are, are more um, team Yuri or team Sasha? Um, it's, I mean, it's a real mix. I think probably more team Sasha, but uh but it's a mix. But but um, one of the reasons that I put that in there too, the love triangle, is because um, Miri's life, especially if you're a woman in 1914, right, and you you sort of have a prescribed path that you will grow up, you will get married, you will have children, and your life will be your house and your husband. And um, you know, I think it takes a lot of courage, and there's this chance that hmm, you know, to actually stop your life and say, no, this isn't what I want, the direction that I want, takes a lot of courage. And I saw a parallel in that. Um, bear with me for a minute, because I realize this might sound crazy, but in my head, <laughs> this made sense, where Einstein really was the first to stand up and say, I think Newton is wrong. And at the time when that happened, again, he was on this prescribed path of, you know, going through physics as they were supposed to be, as they were understood. And then he stood up and said, no, I'm going to take you the other way. And a lot of people, there were a lot of naysayers, a lot of people who thought he was a quack and he was crazy. But I love that he had the courage to do that. And if you were back there at the time, there were so many people that thought he was crazy. He was ostracized, right? He couldn't get a job. I mean, he wasn't very responsible either. And there were other things going on. But and that hair. I think that, <laughs> yeah, and that, but he didn't have crazy yet, right? He was still this put together button down patent officer. And I think that Miri in a lot of ways, I hope that she, she, you know, reflected that, that ability to stand up and change and say, wait a minute, I'm supposed to go one way, but what if I don't, what if I go the other way? And that's the love triangle. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it did, it showed tremendous courage. I mean, there were some scenes um, where she really had to buck convention and expectation and, what she was raised and trained to do. And it, that takes tremendous strength. Um, it is interesting what you say about the, the quack, um, you know, the idea of anybody that bucks what is popular, um, popularly believed is a quack. You know, the world is flat, the world is round, the, you know, yes. the relativity versus conventional physics or any host of issues today. But I think that that makes for good fiction. Um, it, it makes for a really difficult life if you're the one living it. I'm sure that at times right. Einstein right. not having a great time to be um, hostage to his passion about what he believed to be the truth. And at the same time, having to live in a world where he was ostracized, but it sure makes for good fiction. And I think that with Vanya, we saw that as well, that he was brilliant, that he had this boss that was trying to steal his ideas. Um, yeah. But that at the same time, we had people thinking he was a little off. <laughs> and he was. Yeah. In some yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. And I think it's always easy to look back, you know, what is it called with the rose glasses and make, you know, so like you think, oh, it wasn't as bad as it was. But when you are in the moment and you are bucking that trend or standing up, it is, it is hard. 
and it is heart-wrenching. And like you were saying, that is life. And that's what we as novelists, as writers, I think are attracted to and we love is that moment of, right? That Which are they going and how, how? Authenticity is not just getting what's beautiful, right? It's getting what's ugly and what's hard, right? And the complexity of decisions and everything else. And to me, books just aren't interesting unless they reflect all those dimensions. So it is, and so you've been doing a lot of book events, uh, I've been I'm stalking you on your website this morning. You've been doing a lot of book events. Really? You've been doing a lot of um, book clubs. A lot of book clubs have been picking up the book. Are you still touring, um, uh, doing book events, or is it slowing down now? Um, I am thrilled to say it's picking up. <laughs> so I actually, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's more like, you know, when, when you're, I don't know if you remember, but when you're a first time debut author, you know, and you say, my book is here, people are, you know, don't hear you. Like, who is this? Yeah. Why should we read this? And so yeah. slowly the dream is that it will pick up momentum. And so I think I'm seeing some of that and it's amazing. Even today I got two more requests and, uh, you know, again, from people I didn't know who want, you know, who love the book and they want to know, they want to talk about being team Yuri, team Sasha or Einstein or Russia. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And yeah, sorry, what were you going to ask? I was going to say, are you doing book club appearances or, you know, what, what kinds of things are you doing that are you, that you're enjoying? Um, oh, I love all of it. Anytime someone <laughs> needs my to talk about it, I'm in. Um, but I would say some of the more interesting things that are starting to come up now are uh, from more academic institutions and circles. And yeah, and so that's really fun because the history, I really worked hard to build a world that was authentic, that was historically accurate, although the characters are all invented, right? Mm -hmm. So that any one of them could actually be, if you could go back in time, (laughs) you would actually be in 1914 Russia, what it felt like, what it smelled like, um, you know, how hungry you were, how cold you were was awful. And uh, I tried to build that. And I think that I've been seeing a lot of um, in academic institutes are interested in that, that aspect. And, you know, and we did talk that about that. But that was, that was big for me too, with this book. To me, good setting is like a character, you know, it becomes a force of its own, you know, it's exerting um, force and control over events and characters. And I totally felt it. I was transported. Um, I'm glad you're getting some recognition for that and a chance to talk about it because it was, it was really fantastic. Um, are the, uh, are the, on your website, by the way, guys, if your book club does a bend in the stars, send Rachel a picture through Instagram. Um, there's information on our website about how to do this and she'll share it as well or send her a picture and she'll share it. But it looked like there was a ton of them and um, that, and I'm sure that will continue picking up because it's a really interesting book to talk about. And it's something that's makes you think, you know, all of the elements and the what ifs in it are super intriguing and great for book club discussion. Yeah. Make this book for you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. One of the, uh, going back to the setting, one of the critiques that I've gotten a couple of times now has been, people will say, you know, did you exaggerate, or I guess a question, did you exaggerate life life in Russia? Was it really that bad? Like one person said, it seems farcical. And, And what I want to, you know, stress is it really was that bad. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't invent any of that. And, uh, I guess we've come that far, which is maybe good. I don't know, but 
I think it's important not to forget, right, that life was that bad and it was that cold and you were that hungry. <laughs> and, you know, we, yeah. Can you imagine, and, and it does seem farcical to us now because look at all the lights on in this house behind me and the air conditioner running. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm cold, I have a heater. And if I need clothes, I go buy them. And if I need food, it can be delivered to my door. You know, things have become so easy. Could you imagine this, this, you know, being thrown back into that time period and not being able to get yourself out, which kind of brings me to, I noticed the title of your next book when I was out trolling you, stalking you this morning on your website, which was the history of time travel. So without sacrificing um, the wonderful discussion of the been in the stars, is it actually about time travel? What's the deal with this book? But you had me at the title. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Yes, it is actually about time travel. So it is again, uh, four generations of a family, of the women in a family from Russia to America. Although in uh, history of time travel, each generation, each woman builds a piece of the time machine that they use to save the family. Oh, that's very cool. And is it again rooted in the science, if you will, or being fascinated by what might make something like that possible? Yes. Thank you. So that was like my dream question, by the way. And I didn't plan it. So thank you. Thank you. You set me up for it. I just fell naturally into your trap. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) So uh, there are really two parts to relativity that uh, grab me. And the first is this idea that gravity bends light, which is explored in a bend in the stars. Mm -hmm. And the second is that um, time is relative. So that if you could stand and on a planet on the event horizon, near the event horizon of a black hole. Let's say you took a 10 minute trip there and then you beamed yourself back to earth. You would might have experienced 10 minutes on that planet, but because of the force of gravity, if by the time you get back to earth, even if it's instantaneous travel, you teleport whatever back, earth, you know, a hundred years might've passed on earth. And so I thought, what if that was time travel, right? What if you're talking about using these, the force of gravity, right? The second part of relativity as a way to explore time travel. And so that's what I dig into. And of course the time machine is not real. (laughs) I make that part up, but that is the science that I explore. Okay. So before we start wrapping it up, then this is the million dollar question. I looked at your bio and I don't see a science degree. I don't see a history in science in your background. And yet obviously you're sitting around reading Scientific American. That's you're pretty interested in this stuff. Was this a was this a took a right turn instead of a left at some point in your career? And this past secret passion is novelist slash physics, you know, professor or you know what is what's going on here, Rachel? Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that I studied philosophy as an undergrad, philosophy and literature and physics. These ideas really start in philosophy. Right. So the first day I showed up at Harvard and I sat down at my first philosophy class, the professor asked, what is time? And, you know, I thought I was so smart because I was like, oh, seconds, minutes, hours. Right. But no, those are just conventions that we've made up that we rely on as, you know, a way to make schedules clocks so that we can, you know, create plane times and train times and right say we're going to have this meeting at 11 o'clock but this idea of what is time is what drove Einstein he wasn't a great mathematician 
And so it's that philosophy part that really grabs me and that I have always loved. So I can't explain the numbers or the equations of relativity, but I can talk about the ideas. <laughs> and you can research the rest enough to kind of like slot it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you fooled me. I mean, when I was reading your bio, that's the first thing I thought of was where did this um, ability to talk about really complex scientific um, topics come from and an interest that would drive a whole book. Um, getting back to that original, so it wasn't the characters that drove you, it was the plot and you found the characters that worked. It's often, you know, uh, uh, it's on its head for what the answer I usually get is. So it's super interesting. Now, it's super interesting, Wait. but we've also gotten to kind of the end of our time period. So we'll just have to have you back for a history of time travel to talk about it more. Except for one last question, which is, what haven't we talked about that you wanted to talk about, Rachel? And then we'll talk about that for a minute. Anything we missed? Oh, my God. I've had such a blast talking to you. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything else to add. I mean, I guess that's for things I think I, we could chat for another hour, but nothing pressing. So Yes, exactly. And for those of you that watch this show, I talk to my guests before the show and I talk to them after. So you miss out on all the good stuff, the outtakes, if you will, author outtakes. I should start recording those <laughs> and have a, an out, best of the outtakes. Um, uh, have some good ones. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be so fun. Um, this has been, here we go, a copyrighted production solely owned by authors on the air global radio network with many thanks to the lovely and um, uh, visionary Pam Stack, who is our producer. And next week, actually next week, I think I've given myself the week off. I'm not even going to think about that. Check out it on the website and see if I'm lying to you or not. Go see what book I have next week because I've totally blanked. But you can make up for my blank spot by picking up a bin in the stars, catching up with what we read and talked about this week. Highly recommend it. Totally five stars for me. And um, other than that, Rachel, thank you for joining me from Montreal. It was really fun. I'm looking forward thank to you. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much, Pamela. And for those of you out there, have a great week. Read a great book and put something fun in your cup too. Bye, guys. <laughs>